You're about to listen to the Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders and for coders about all aspects of life as a developer. I'm Will, the curmudgeonly experienced developer. And I'm Beach, the optimistic newbie developer. Welcome to another episode of the Complete Developer Podcast. Kind of an exciting time this week. Tomorrow is the uh, the debut of the new Star Wars movie, and I am very excited about that. So uh, before we get started, though, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, um, I haven't been fighting so much. I just kind of hit a goal that I really had hoped I would be a little closer to by now, but it didn't happen um, because of workload. And that is I've actually finished the outline of my book. Awesome. Um, at least, you know, the first draft of the outline, I guess is probably a better way to put it. I'm going to go back through and make sure I didn't miss anything mm-hmm. before I really call it done. But yeah, I've got, you know, I've got all my talking points in there and you know, got everything kind of laid out. And, you know, now I'm going to start working on the strategy for actually, you know, getting everything tight, getting everything in. And, you know, now, now comes the writing and the editing and the re-editing and the marketing and all the pieces I've got to do. So well, I'm looking forward to it because I've, I've read a little bit of what you've written on it uh, so far, and uh, I'm pretty sure I'll be one of the uh, the people who gets a preview, yeah, read through before it goes out to the public. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. Uh, you know, the coding, you know, last little bit really hasn't been, you know, all that terrible. Um, I haven't really, I won't say I haven't been challenged, but it's not it's not been that bad. You know, this time of year things start tapering off, mm-hmm. and nobody starts anything new you know it's more it's a lot of bug fixes and a lot of you know getting ready for the next year but it's nothing is as stressful so uh what are you into i took on a new project uh, sort of developing a website for a friend of mine she sells uh, pastries and stuff like that i think i told you about this yeah um before but yeah I had told her, she showed me her website, and I was like, oh, well, you know, you could do this and this, and you, you could put a shop on here. And then uh, I said, well, if you want, I can work something up for you and, you know, put it together for you, and we can kind of, we're, we're doing a barter system of uh, trade where I do the uh, do the website for her, and she makes uh, treats and pastries for me, so. That know. works. Free food is uh, always appreciated. Exactly. <laughs> So uh, I've got that uh, I've got that going on, and um, I started working on it, and uh, it's kind of fun. Um, it's not uh, it's not a WordPress site. She uses uh, Moonfruit, I think, is what her site's on. I've heard of it. Yeah, I uh, I'm not really using their stuff to design her website. I told her I wouldn't change the design too much because she likes what she has. But she need, you know, she needed a background, yeah, and a few other things, and so I've just kind of uh, written it out myself, at least for the front end, you know, HTML and some JavaScript, and I'm gonna have some uh, like you know some kind of fun stuff. So when you scroll over a picture of one of the treats, it'll kind of get bigger and that. And then I've also kind of been uh, playing around with the, our website. I found out that the theme that we're using uses bootstrap yeah and you were teaching me some stuff about bootstrap um, the other week so what i've done is i've gone into our site and where i had uh, originally set up tables 
for the links so I could have like two rows of links. Um, and then I moved and started doing uh, uh, left and right link classes. Yeah. Um, and so I've started adding their grid system in. Okay. To, you know, to our website that uses the theme. Yeah, I so think I it, saw some file changes come through, and I, I knew you were doing something, but I I didn't have a chance to look at it, you know, because I monitor all yeah. that stuff religiously. Mm-hmm. Because just because the, I mean, look at the number of spam bots that we that oh, get yeah. trying to sign in. Like we were recording uh, today, and during the time we were recording, we saw like twenty something new user account registrations, and we think all of them are probably bogus. But yeah, I mean, I I went in and I changed a few things. One reason that that I like doing this is I was having trouble with the the way I had it set up. It looked really good on the individual episode page but when you clicked on podcast and it had the list of like all the podcasts and you you know scroll down through them sometimes if the links didn't like were too long for the smaller area instead of it wrapped in a weird yeah it wrapped, way. It wrapped in a weird that. way and uh so what i did i went in there and i put it into the grid system that was built into the theme and now when when that happens it just lines it up all in one column and it's it's nice it looks good it looks better on mobile just the whole thing in general i i did that for a um for this week's podcast i was writing up the the show notes and then i went back and did it for a few others that i knew were problematic so cool so i suppose it's that uh time to uh roll the music face the music face the music (laughs) we need to call this segment face the music (laughs) This week in IoT, we've got uh, something kind of interesting. It's IoT News Network. Um, It's really cool. Uh, I'm going to start using this to kind of get ideas for the segment of the show. Uh, It's basically an online uh, newspaper specifically for IoT. And uh, they have stories, different categories, um, pretty neat stuff. You ought to check it out. It's iotnewsnetwork.com, and I'll include the link in the show notes. This week we are... Starting a new series, but uh, don't worry too much. Uh, this isn't going to be like our health series where it was all back-to-back. We kind of learned our lesson with that. It got uh, a little boring for us, and if it was boring for us, we're sure it was boring for you guys. Um, so what we're going to do with this one is it's going to kind of be intermingled with other episodes. But uh, this series is going to be entitled Developer Power Techniques. And we'll start off with uh, using a time tracker to improve your career. So, Will, you want to get us started? Sure. Uh, I guess I'll start out by explaining kind of how I got started using a time tracker regularly. Obviously, we have these at work, right? You know, for billing hours and all that kind of stuff. That's not what this is for. You can, okay. You can repurpose it for that, but it's mainly for data collection. 
And, you know, as programmers, we're very quick to collect data for other people, but we're not so good about collecting it for ourselves and improving our own processes. I'll, I'll give you a little background. The reason I started uh, was because of, of how I felt about my career when I started. This was about, I guess it was spring of 2013, spring to summer. That's around the time that you started working for yourself, right? Uh, it's a little bit before that, actually. This, okay. this actually precipitated it. I started using Toggle. Back in back in the day, um, and I still use it now. Uh, you got me using it. Yeah, it's it's a good product. Actually, the only problem I've ever had with them was um, when they grew too fast, uh-huh. and their servers went down because you know they they had this explosive growth, and you know nobody can plan for that. Well, no. And it was it was because it's just it's really easy to use and it's helpful. And so a friend of mine actually turned me on to this, but. Let's let's get into a little bit of the background because I think a lot of other developers, especially you know, as you get to mid level or so, this is this malaise sets in. And so at that point, I felt like my career wasn't going where I wanted it to go. Yeah. Uh, I felt like I didn't have enough time to get everything done that I wanted to do. Like I had all these ambitions, but things never quite materialized. And I I didn't have a really really good grasp of where my time was going. Because you know you're you're going through the day to day and you know, you're going to meetings. You know I was working at a company that loved meetings. You know their daily, you know what was supposed to be a ten minute stand up and it ended up being like fifty minutes. And the first ten were you know status reports and the other forty were arguing. So one thing I started to notice and you know this this sort of all coalesced together for me was the fact that I wasn't tracking it. Like I was I was I was lifting weights and I was doing all this stuff and you know, you start out with a measurement. Yeah, that makes and, sense. And then you see where you are at six weeks with a particular training regime, and you see what that's done for you, so that you can you can adjust your goals, you can adjust your training, and all that stuff. And I did, I realized I didn't really have that for my career. So it's the same thing. Yeah, it's with weightlifting or weight loss or, or metrics and sales. Yeah, metrics and sales. The same kind of same kind of principle. So I I started noticing um, over time, and really this had kind of been in the back of my mind for a while, but I noticed that a lot of lower priority goals of mine were getting done and the bigger ones weren't. Like, for instance, I was getting my projects done in my day job just fine, but I wasn't self-employed, and I wanted to be self-employed since forever. Remember the first time you you went out on your own, uh, you were loving it uh, for the first... Well, you remember the second time, actually. Oh, was that the second time? Yeah. Oh. Uh, and so... Oh, was say, the first time I remember you coming out on Yeah, own. there were several abortive attempts, and part of that was because I did not... Um, I didn't manage my time well, and I didn't manage my attention well, and I wasn't tracking things. And so that, that's kind of what I want to offer here to developers is a, a bit of an action plan for how to utilize a time tracker to get a little bit better control and a little bit better metrics on what you're doing. Well, as I understand, that's what uh, what we're doing with this series is it's a series of action plans. Right. It's it's practical actions that you can take that will improve your career over time. It's not an immediate thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like the surviving boring meetings where okay, you you, know, you get feedback to the boss and it goes, oh, good job. You know, let's let's give you a raise just under inflation two years from now. Or like when we talked about uh, working with sales, where, you know, stuff that you could go out 
right then and there and start doing, talking right. to them and, and working with them. So This is a whole lot of measure and cut, and measure and cut. It's it's a longer-term construction project, which, you know, bear in mind, your career, most people are getting into development at the age of 20, 25, somewhere in that range. There's some people like, you know, you're getting into it at 35. But even so, what age do you expect to retire? I don't. If you ever expect to retire, it's probably, what, 65, 70, 75? Let's say you're, you know, 75 years where, you know, the human life expectancy keeps increasing for the moment. I'll be honest with you. I expect to work until I croak at my desk. Okay. So you expect, you know, you expect a career of 40, 50 years, right? Yeah. People don't plan for this. Like, they plan their retirement. Right? They don't plan their career progression. They don't make any measurements. They don't... Really? Well, most people don't. That's... That's, that's just the way I think, Most people's long-term planning isn't there. And especially the tools to help you make those long-term plans based on realistic numbers, most people don't have them. And this is maybe because with... Well, with med school, right, with, you, you had that experience with med school, and the, the difference there is with med school, without proper planning, you pretty much just flunk out. Yeah. And it's over. And so it's, you're in a self-selected group. But most of us, this is something that we kind of have to come through through a little bit of pain. And like I said, one thing that I noticed was that my lower priority goals, you know, in other words, the stuff I'm getting paid to do right now versus what I want to do five years from now, those were getting fulfilled continually, but the bigger goals were not. Those were getting missed. We'll get into a little bit of uh, what the goals are here. Uh, the first thing is a realistic measurement of how you spend your time. Most of us are, are extremely bad at quantifying how much time we spend on things because I think it was Albert Einstein said that if what is it, if, if there's a pretty girl sitting in your, in your lap, it seems like no time at all. Whereas if you're, I think, in pain, it seems like forever. It's you know, Time has relativity. The fundamental fact of being a human being is that your perceptions are crap particularly in regard to how much time you're spending on things. For instance, we discussed boring meetings. Well, if, you're, if you've already got a development job and you ha you're working at a place where there are a lot of boring meetings, think about, just try to estimate how much time you spend in meetings, just off the cuff. Don't look at your calendar. Don't look at anything else. You will probably overstate that by 50 to 70% because meetings suck. How much time do you spend you know, in whatever facet of coding is your favorite, well, you're probably going to understate that by a large percentage. And the reason is, is because human beings are not built for time management. We don't, we don't do well with that, right? Our, our brains are focused on being able to find the buffalo over the next hill, and we're in a technological society now. So you have to, you have to build an appropriate tool chain that helps you track your time. Yeah, the buffalo isn't over the hill. The buffalo is on the next screen. Yeah, something like that. So, you know, the first goal is realistic measurement of how you spend your time. The next thing that you want to do, you know, once you've kind of got that going and you're recording your time, is a bit of prioritization on your goals, right? You may want to become self-employed. You may want to get out of programming. There's a lot of people that do. The half-life of a programmer is, you know, what, five to eight years, I think. And so what we want to do is we want to start prioritizing our goals, we want to look for the 20% of things that we're interested in that are providing 80% of value to us, whether that value is money, free time, uh, 
how we're growing our career, uh, or just the things that kind of give us life, like the stuff that we actually enjoy doing. Like, I absolutely despise fighting with problems with object relational mappers. That is my least favorite problem in all of computing. It's the Vietnam of computer science for me. It does not give me life at all fighting with that. And so I try not to. But when I don't have accurate numbers of how much time I'm spending on it, I don't have a way to change that trajectory. Because the point, it, it's, it's somewhat like when you're trying to get somewhere and using Google Maps, right? What's the first thing you do? You say, hey, give me directions to wherever. Well, how do they give you directions? They measure where you are. Oh, yeah. They, starting. The, like, at least on the iPhone that I have, uh, anytime you're looking, almost anytime you go to a website anymore, it asks for your location. Yeah. Like, especially if it's a big thing like Buffalo Wild Wings website. They want to know your location so they can tell you which ones are closest to you. Yeah. So you can go get the ghost pepper sauce and cry. Which is fine. a bottle of that at home. So, you know, the beginning of the whole thing is measuring where you are and then measure where you're going so that you can get there. The getting there doesn't happen because you didn't measure where you started and you didn't measure where you're going. That's, that's a pretty fundamental fact. And so we're going to try to build this up a little bit more. So part of it is is prioritizing your goals. Like you need to know what the end game is. Do I want to be manager? Do I want to be a senior software developer? Do I want to start my own company? Do I want to maybe move out into sales as a developer? I think there's a huge possibility for developers getting into sales because they can get into places that other people can't. They, they can get into places other people can't and... And they can talk the talk. Yeah, that's... And that's make sales a- that nobody else can make because I've done it. So, having measured what you're doing and having come up with a list of your goals, compare the two and see if that matches. Um, one thing I found that, you know, that I was doing you know, when I did that is I was spending a, I was spending an inordinate amount of time traveling. Uh, I was spending an inordinate amount of time on doing just absolutely stupid crap, like working on the house, you know, patching sheetrock, doing, you know, doing random junk like that. And that was not getting me closer to my goal. But because I wasn't really being intentional about it, it's very easy for time to sneak away when you're not being careful. Yeah. It's it's a chicken coop with a hole in it. Chickens are going to get out. And I guess that sounded appropriately hillbilly of me. So, I guess we'll, we'll kind of break this down a little bit. The first thing is, how do you work this process in the short term? Because that's, you know, that's important for being able to have survivable growth. And, you know, once you start actually tracking everything you're doing, you, know, you break everything down into projects and tasks within those projects. You know, be, be more detailed than you feel like you need to be. Oh, yeah, the more detailed you can be with this, the better. It's, it's a lot like... You can um, always go down in resolution. You can't go up. Yeah, honestly, this is a lot like uh, behavioral psychology. It comes from that. Yeah. In a roundabout sort of backwards way, it does. So as you're tracking all these things, uh, one thing that you should start doing on a regular basis, I started daily. You can kind of back off after a while, but every day, you know, at the end of the day, take note of how you feel about the day. Um, and then look and compare that to your, your list of tasks, the list of things that you spent your time on. Because a lot of times there will be a correlation. 
you may find that you know certain tasks that you really never thought about you just absolutely you feel better at the end of the day when you've been doing that all day um, one thing that's jumped out for me and I've, I've, I've redone this a few times throughout my career one thing that's jumped out for me is technical writing I had to write documentation the other day for an integration with Mandrel, which is MailChimp's backend, right? I loved it. And the thing is, it's not that I love the documentation so much, but I got home and I'm like, wow, you know, I don't really feel very tired. I could have told you that, just knowing you. Yeah, but I couldn't have told you. Yeah, you couldn't have, but... The numbers told me that. Yeah, personally, knowing you, I, you know, knowing your background, I'm like, yeah, I could have told you, technical writing is something that... And retrospectively, I could tell you that. But yeah. the thing is, is that's a that's a fact I'm missing, and the reason I was missing it is because I wasn't paying attention to numbers. Mm-hmm. Now, the next thing, once you have this piece of information, is is you start acting on it, right? Because data is useless unless you do something with it. Data is just noise unless, unless something's done. So you want to start looking for ways to increase the things that give you life, the things that make your day better, and you know then you can do this along several vectors, right? You could say, okay, what made me more money when I'm a salesperson? Um, what made me happier as a developer? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different things, you know, a lot of different <laughs> vectors you can work along. Well, but, it's, it's what your goals are, really. You need to sit down and define your goals. Well, and that's, you know, that's what we did in the previous step, but this is a yeah. bit smaller. This is, is getting things to where they're sustainable. I mean, we, we see a terrible dropout rate of developers. You know, five to eight years... And people are gone. Like half of them are gone. I was, I was talking with a friend of mine. We we're sitting around the other day, and we we're like, you know, I think he graduated in 2001, 2002. And 2002. He got out. Yeah, you about. know who I'm talking about. And, you know, I, you know, I started full-time development in 2003. And we started thinking about all the people we've worked with and how very few of them are still developers, even ones we worked with you know, four or five years ago. It's, yeah. I mean... It's been the the group has literally been decimated, as in cut to a tenth of its size. The thing and is, you also have a lot of new new people coming in because there's a lot of the, the code boot camps and things right. like that. That you're getting a lot of people as a second career, which is what I am in essence, a second career coming into coding. So you've got these people who have done other things. Just the other day, I listened to a podcast talking about someone who was coming from journalism and went into um, front-end development. That would be an interesting combination. But the thing is, is your ability to survive a long-term development career depends on your ability to not get burned out. The avoidance of burnout you know, has to kind of be a part of your daily practice. And a lot of developers don't really think about this, so they get... You know, they get to about mid-level and they just completely fry because they've not thought about the things that give them life. They haven't thought about the things that they enjoy. And they aren't measuring these things because sometimes it's not, it's a little bit counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. And so this is where, you know, this is where the whole time tracker thing comes in is measure and then, you know, me- measure your inputs, measure your results. And see if that's what you're trying to get. I've seen a lot of this too. It seems to me like this is across the board with anything that is very specialized. Oh, it is. And, like, with medicine, with psychology, like, Ph.D. biology and chemistry, there's a lot of, of burnout because you get up to a certain point 
And then you're just doing the same thing and the same thing and the same thing in different ways, but it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, and you're not managing, you know, because it's not really the same thing. It's the same things. Yeah. And there's two or three of them that you really like, and that's what you got into the field for, and that might be different than somebody else's, but you're not specializing in those. You're doing the whole set, and, the, you know, and there's one or two things that you just absolutely despise, and it's not your thing. It's not the way you think. It's not yeah. the way you work well, and, and as a result, you burn out. Mm-hmm. And so this is about quantifying that. Now, uh, you know, given that you're, you're looking for options to increase the things you like to do, another thing you need to start thinking about is ways to decrease the things that you don't like to do. If your manager, like, okay, take my example, right? I, I apparently enjoy technical writing, which, I mean, I guess that kind of jumps out, but it, it's not something that was immediately obvious to me even though my first job out of college was technical writing and I have and a blog and I, you know, it, it like you wrote a paper that got published in a peer reviewed journal when you were 16. Right. But again, this is not immediately obvious to, to me. me it even, is. even looking at it, like it's not obvious to me though. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not saying it should be, but I'm just saying right. like to other people, like if I talk to your dad, yeah, I'm sure he would agree with me that, yeah, it's completely obvious. Yeah, and it's completely duh. But the fact is, is you're not accurate in self-assessment. No one is accurate on that. Well, that's like when you and um, our mutual friend that you work with both told me to get in to get back into programming. Yeah, we no. kind of thought it was obvious, and we had to argue with you. But yeah. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the enough. way it is, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough, but... You know, again, this this is about realistic measurement. This is about actually having numbers and ha- having values to, you know, being able to assign value to things. So, you know, given that you're trying to do more of what you like, what's the other side of this? Well, you try to do less of what you dislike. Makes sense. For me, a lot of the, you know, I was doing this to, you know, I was applying this to the whole, you know, my entire life. And one thing that I found that I was doing a lot of that I really didn't care for was home repair. I was I was fixing the valves on the toilet tank. I was doing, you know, light carpentry. I was building bookshelves with a, you know, a friend of mine and you know, we're drinking lots of beer and it was it was a mess. And <laughs> I remember the, the fireplace. Yeah, and I don't really and it's not that I really hate that. It's the fact that that's draining for me. Like well, every so often what? it's a neat challenge, but it's not it's not a thing that drives me, and it doesn't make me. It doesn't completely fit within the parameters of, of who I am, and and really point me towards effectiveness. Oh, he says it's like uh, painting for me. Yeah. I love painting landscapes, occasionally, like one or two a year. It's fun. It's enjoyable. If I if that was what I did for a living, or if you had to do it when it's not your choice. Yeah, if I had to do it and. You know, it was like, I have to do this, I have to paint this one, and then this one, and then this one. Uh, that wouldn't be fun. So, you know, the idea here is to decrease the frequency at which you do things that are not pleasurable, right? This, mm-hmm. this is fairly simple psychology, but it's it's, it's kind of hard for most of us to really objectively look at our lives and go, okay, this is the thing that's growing me, and this is the thing that's shrinking me. So, Sometimes it takes a good friend who will browbeat you until you get into it, and then you realize, 
hey, I really enjoy this. Yeah, and that's you know that's why you have friends. You know that's why you make friends with jerks like me because I'll definitely happily browbeat you in anything. So there's a, there's a couple of ways to quantify this. Um, the first, and this was this was the one that worked for me. I'm not saying it will work for everybody. Um, is to start thinking about your hourly rate. What is the economic value this thing provides? Now this may not be a good metric for everybody, but this this cut a lot of crap for me to be 100% honest. And your hourly rate, again, we're going to make this somewhat America-centric because that's the environment we live in. I know other countries have got a little bit you know, shorter working out, more sane working hours. Wait, what? Yeah. You I know. mean, I know about Spain and the whole, like, nap time. What's no. it called? Is it siesta? Yeah, well, I mean, even... I love that idea. I most Most European countries have better working hours than we do. You know, 40 hours a week is a lot. It really is. Well, and I have not hit a 40-hour-a-week work week in years. Like, it's normally 60 to 70 for me. But 40 is, is still quite a bit, right? That's five eight-hour days. So, yeah, I really... start. We'll, we'll start, you know, kind of running some of the numbers, okay? And figure out your hourly rate. The easiest way to do this is say, hey... I have 50 weeks at 40 hours a week, right? Assuming, assuming two, two-week vacation. Assuming two weeks of vacation, which nobody ever really gets, but this is good enough, right? This makes the numbers easy, and you can adjust once you get a little further along. So divide your salary by 2000 There's a rough hourly rate. Now, it's actually kind of crap because you also have benefits on top of your salary. You also have some taxes, taxes that your employer is paying you know, the cost of the space, all that sort of stuff. But this is a good baseline. You know, this, this makes the numbers easy, right? Yeah, it does. So, you, you know, you take your salary, you divide it by 2000 So we're going to say that, let's say that you're earning 60000 a year. That's not particularly unrealistic for you know, a lot of junior devs. If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, that's poverty wages. Okay, so 60000 divided by 2000 is... 30 an hour. Okay. Now, let's say that your toilet breaks in your house, right? The little flapper valve that always screws up causes you a problem. You can fix it, right? But you've got a guy that'll come out here and fix it for 45 bucks. Okay. How do you quantify that? You say, well, can I fix this in an hour and a half, including the trip to the store to get the pieces? Assuming you don't already have them. Assuming you don't already have them, because we're all slackers and we're not prepared. What you know? What what's your over under? In other words, can I get this done in an hour and a half? If you can't, this is the point where you start looking and going, is it worthwhile to outsource this? If you couldn't fix it in an hour and a half worth of time, it may be worth considering. That doesn't mean do it necessarily. It may be worth considering getting somebody out there to do it for you instead. Because hey, you know I can work an extra, what I can work an extra two hours, and then I'm fifteen bucks ahead at thirty dollars an hour, right? And I'm doing something that hey, I enjoy programming. I don't enjoy having my hands down in cold water and trying to get the stupid flapper valve to actually close properly. What if you do enjoy that kind of manual labor? Then you do that. It's based on enjoyment. It's based on cost. Right? Personally, factor- I I like fixing things. I mean, that's, that's part like, of the whole IoT thing. I love building and fixing things. 
Right. But it's easy to enjoy fixing things when you when it's not nine o'clock at night and there's a baby screaming, your your wife has got the flu and all that. Right. So it's you, you quantify this value so that you can make a decision based on it. That's that's the whole point here. This is why you marry a woman that can uh, fix a toilet. Right. <laughs> so again, um now the other thing that this provides you is the ability to take those numbers and give them to other people. So, for instance, I you know I was working at a job where they loved meetings. They loved meetings more than life itself. They chewed up so much time, and they were wondering, why are projects not getting done? Well, it's like, well, I spent seven hours in meetings this week. Out of a 40-hour work week, I spent seven hours in meetings. That's seven hours of productivity that I could have gotten now, also bear in mind that the meetings were at 9.30 in the morning. I got there at 7. So you had two hours of work. Well, two, no. Two hours of work and then a half hour of prep for the meeting, give or take, plus going to the toilet, all that kind of stuff that you got to do yeah, before was, you was, have your 50-minute screaming match. Well, that's two hours out. of work if you don't get interrupted. Right. But we've, we've talked in the past about, you know, in you, know, you gave a tip on one of your tricks of the trade was on how to get avoid being interrupted, but those of us that haven't had that, that's yeah. More like about an hour it worked, of actual work time. It worked out to between, you know, the project managers coming by because they always wanted to know what was going on before the meeting so they were prepared for the screaming match. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Um and so you ended up really not getting any useful work done before one o'clock in the afternoon. Great. And you left at four. Because you had lunch, you had the interruptions, you had the meeting, you know, all that kind of stuff was going on. And so it was completely impossible to really be productive. And you know, the fact is, I was able to show the numbers to management and go, look, we're actually well above what we should be doing because we're only getting 20 hours of productive work in a week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're getting, you know, we're, we're hitting about 75% of our goals. And we should only be hitting 50% by the hours that we have that we're actually productive. And so when you have those numbers and you can say, you can lay them out on the table, that's a whole lot less, it's a whole lot harder for someone to argue with than just saying, oh, this sucks, we're in meetings all the time, blah, 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 because you don't have any numbers. It goes back to what's important to the managers, and that is productivity and making money. Right. And there's no proof to them that productivity is suffering from the meetings. Because to them, the meetings are important, right? And they're getting something out of them. Okay, so we've discussed how to, you know, how to work this process in the short term, and that's that's great for it's it's a bit more of a triage operation. Now we're going to talk about it for the long term, which is more of a health operation than a triage operation, right? It's it's the difference between an emergency surgery and hey, dude, you need to lose twenty pounds because you're going to have congestive heart failure or something. There's three things that you need to do uh, to work this process a little bit more long-term. You know, once you've kind of got your, your weekly, bi-weekly schedule figured out and you have a little bit more control over things and you have a bit better management, uh, the first thing is that you need to start making yearly goals. Beginning of the year, um, I actually don't do this at the beginning of the year. I do it on April Fool's. You would? Uh, well, I do it I do it then for several reasons. Um partially because other people aren't doing it then, and so there's not so much churn. Uh, the other thing is, is 
spring is in the air, so you're, it's it's not dark, it's not the dead of winter. You're making a decision about things that are growth. I like to be growing with growing things instead of growing with the dead of winter and dead leaves. So I've always thought the year should start in spring, but that's just me. Yeah, well, it used to start. <laughs> April Fools is from that, so um, that, you know that, that's when I try to do actually. Yeah, I do this sort of thing, um, but make yearly goals and actually spend a little bit of time on this. Right, this isn't something that you go, okay, well, I'm sitting on the toilet at four o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm going to try to figure out what my yearly goals are because that's not really what this is about. Right, you want to sit down. Uh, when you got a couple days, and really get it all down, write it on paper. Well, I thought you came up with all your ideas on the toilet. No, I don't. Not long term. You don't make long term decisions in those kind of situations, right? You really, you really want to sit and and really, really think through things. Like, where do I want to be? What do I not like about my life? What do I? What do I like? What things have you know kind of hit my awareness? Like the whole technical writing thing you know, has has kind of impinged upon my awareness and that, that will come up come April when I'm looking at all this stuff and figuring out, okay, what direction do I want to go, that's gonna that's gonna shift my focus a little bit. So, you know, at the beginning is make a yearly goal. You decide, okay, what do I want to do a year from now? And then say, okay, where do I have to be where do I have to be you know, three quarters of a year from now for that to be possible? Where do I have to be half a year from now for that to be possible? Right? Where do I have to be Three months from now for that to be possible. Well, that goes back to... Um, it's longer-term planning. You're stretching your planning window out because that's how you make things happen over a longer term. Well, that goes back to our goal-setting episode. Yeah, and it, it, enables you to, it enables you to get a direction to travel. So that you know, that's point number one. Uh, the next thing you need to do is quarterly. You need to actually take your list of goals. And, you, need to, you know, when you do your yearly evaluation of where you are, go ahead and, and you know, get in Google Calendar or something and schedule when you're going to look at your set of goals and, and evaluate how you've done getting there. Um, you know, for instance, this year I've had some goals that I've not hit. And, you know, it's third, well, it's fourth quarter this year at this point. And those goals aren't going to happen because I've, I've had to adjust course a little bit. You know, the podcast has been... A huge, huge thing. There's some stuff that I thought was going to hit first quarter this year, and it just hit fourth quarter. There's some things that I reprioritized and I said, "Hey, that's not really that important to me right now," mm-hmm. and and I cut it out. So you can always adjust, but you need to do that on a regular basis so that it is intentional. Well, it's good to to take a look at your goals to make them into bite-sized chunks, basically yeah. things that you can do, and then. Going back and looking, all right, here's my progress. And, and this, this circles back to why we use a time tracker for this, right? Because that's your data. You can look at this and go, okay, why did I not hit this goal? Well, you know, hey, I said that, you know, it's important that I start a new product line. Well, how much time did you spend on it over the last quarter? Eight hours. Okay, that forces a question, right? Is it important to you? If it's not, then cut that out of your list of priorities, get that you know, get that from over your head where it's not something you feel guilty about because, hey, it's not a priority. That's fine. Or reprioritize and spend the time on it. All right, this is a quarterly kind of a checkpoint so that you can get to the point where you're not feeling guilty over the things you're not spending time on if they aren't important to you, but where you can also refocus on the things that do matter. 
But the same thing with learning and uh, something we talked about before with, uh, especially with a lot of developers that are self-taught, self-learning is one tendency that we have that I've benefited from having Will and a few other friends of mine that are developers to be like, no, that's, stop that. Screaming it at you on occasion. Yeah, well, I'm kind of thick-headed sometimes. Yeah. But, uh, and that is, you see all these different programming languages and you think, well, I need to know this one and this one's good for this. I want to know this one and this one. And what you end up is you be, end up being very good at writing Hello World programs for a bunch of different languages, but not being able to do anything useful. A good way to think about it is actually uh, what one of my neighbors growing up said. And bear in mind, I grew up out in the sticks. Right, we had. There's a guy down the road. His name was Clyde. And Clyde was always really good at throwing out little pithy little sayings. And he told me one day. He said, "You know, a hunting dog that chases two rabbits at the same time goes to bed hungry." And that's always stuck with me. You know, so that was. Uh, and that that's a question of prioritization. Is he going to go after this rabbit, or is he going to go after this one? If you don't pick the rabbit, you get neither. Going back to to the learning various languages, one thing that's helped me and that has helped my friends in pointing out which one to learn or where to put my focus is looking at where the jobs are in my area. I live in Nashville. Nashville has a big .NET community, and so that's where most of the jobs are. And that's one of the reasons I'm still on .NET. Yeah. There's some things about some other platforms that I really like, but I can't make that jump because it's not, you know, that's a smaller market. Mm-hmm. I have less leverage there, and I've projected that, you know, pretty far forward. That's just not something I can do right now. It's, it doesn't go along with my goals, even though I would I would love to get into some serious node development. There's not as many jobs as there are .NET jobs. And so it's less safe, and that doesn't align with my goals. And I sat and I thought about this. It's not something I just, you know, I didn't come upon this because, oh, well, I do .NET, and I'm scared of everything else. Like, no, I've done some Node. But I evaluated carefully and realized that you know, my bread is still buttered in the .NET world. So there I stay. When that changes, I'll change real quick. You know, with those two pieces in place, the next thing you need to do is at the end of the year kind of have a retrospective. And this tends to work really well. Um, I actually do do this at the end of the year, and then I have like four months in between. It's not a bad idea to, to have that gap because you do, you see what you've done the previous year. Well, there's, there's, there's another reason for it that you probably aren't thinking of because you hadn't been in a development, uh, a professional development cycle. The first of the year is an absolute dumpster fire. There's always new stuff coming out of the pipe. People are, you know, like, because you have the end of the financial calendar, you know, the fiscal year ends, and they go, oh, hey, it's a new fiscal year. Let's just do all these new initiatives. That's when all these other people are brainstorming, right? So you want to stop before that stuff starts. I can tell you exactly why that happens. It's because... It's because of the tax code. Well, the tax code and because... The new fiscal year means new funding. Yeah. They have a new budget to spend, and if they 
especially if they are government-sponsored. Yeah, and you would be surprised how many, you know, there's a lot of things that are primarily funded by government. There's a lot of things that are, you know, secondary, tertiary, quaternary, government-related, where that funding trickles down. And so you'll see things that everything goes crazy at the beginning of January because there's new government funding, but those companies are paying for things, and that hits the beginning of February. Yeah. And and so getting to April gets you past all that chaos, and so it's not in the mix. And one thing that I do think um, that everybody should understand about the way government funding works, and I've a little background. I have helped start several on-campus campaigns that were government-funded, and uh, the way it works is if you spend all of the money you're given, you get more. If you don't spend all of the money you're given, if you are wise with your money you and save it, you get less the next year. Yeah, and, and so this is why we don't plan things there. So I, you know, I try to do the retrospective at the end of the year because typically most development shops at the end of the year is kind of dead. And so that's a good time to start kind of taking account of things, you know, get some other numbers as well, and, and you know, start looking at, you know, what value you provided, you know, how much, um, how much you saved the company, you know, those kind of numbers. Also, you know, kind of think through the year and, and what you liked, what you didn't like, and do all that, and, and that way you're not doing it during the, the season of crazy stress because it's it's absolutely awful sometimes, uh, depending on where you're working. January, February can be really bad. Um, sometimes January all the way up until early April, tax season. Really? Can be, well, really, I guess it's really more like January to mid-March because your corporate taxes, you know, different time timeline. Yeah. But sometimes they can be really awful through there. And so I don't, you don't want to make decisions when things are awful. Because it's not that way all year, but depending on the environment, those those months tend to be a little bit too risky for me to make decisions. So you want to do a, a retrospective, and then you want to start kind of kicking around ideas, and then start acting on them in April, because it's still plenty of time. Yeah, you still have most of the year at that point. Yeah, you've you've still got like eight months. You've survived the crazy season. And all of the curveballs that are going to be thrown at you. Because the other thing that's bad is, is when you go, okay, it's January 1st, I'm going to do X. And I want to get this done by, say I want to get this done by April, whatever X happens to be. Mm-hmm. Well, two months in there, you know, two weeks in January, your company gets acquired. And suddenly your job is gone. Well, everything you had planned for the year is shot. Whereas in April, it, my experience has led me to believe that that doesn't happen as much a little bit later in the year because, you know, the money's not moving around as much and things have kind of calmed down. And so That'd it's be an interesting to, thing to look into. Just Yeah, it's completely anecdotal. And some of that, too, is also um, related to your your emotional state, your, your hormonal state. Because, you know, you think about the uh, uh, seasonal affective disorder type things. You know, you got the shorter days. You've got all the mess with the holidays. You know, you also want to get on the other side of taxes mm-hmm. a lot of times, or at least know how much you owe, because it would suck to say, okay, I'm going to start a new business. Oh, that's right, I owe $15,000 to the IRS. 
that takes the wind out of your sails before you started moving. Yeah. yeah so this sense. just gets it gets a lot of volatility out of the mix. So that you know that's how I would schedule that. Now there's a couple other things um, that come into play here. If you, if you do this practice every year, I think you'll you'll eventually find that your career starts getting better. You'll start enjoying things a little bit more. You'll also survive longer than the people that don't do it. Because what tends to happen to developers is they completely burn out, and they're just gone. So a few other final thoughts that may be kind of useful on this. If you're not really sure of the whole self-help aspect of this, um, the other thing this data collection offers you is you can get you can use this data to get better at estimating. If you've done a similar project before and you can pull those numbers up, you can tell how long it's going to take you to do this one. So if you decide to go out on your own, you have a complete, you have a fairly decent data set to start with on how long certain types of operations take you. So you don't have to try to guesstimate, which is the worst when you're trying to, um, you're trying to make a profit on a contract. You know, those kind of things. Like if you have a fixed bid thing, it's it's good to already have these numbers in place and, and to kind of know. Um, the other thing that a lot of people don't think about with this sort of thing is it's real handy to have a record of your hours that's outside of an employer's systems um, from a legal perspective. Because if an employer has got their own database system and they're you know they're tracking hours and all this stuff, they can alter it. And if you ever get sued, and that's the only system of record, that's a problem, right? So you shouldn't really be trusting that to an employer. You may like them, but you don't ever, ever let that be the only system of record for that. Well, it, that makes sense, especially if you're doing, if you're a contractor. Yeah, or an employee. Yeah. Because, you know, they can fire you with cause and say, oh, he wasn't doing his work. And then you can say, oh, well, I was in meetings seven hours a day. Yeah. You know. Because when you go to get an unemployment check, you know, that that now becomes a thing that is disputed, not a thing that's oh the employer says, and I have to just throw my hands up and go well I don't have anything to counter that. And that's that's mainly for people that live in in the U.S. and states that uh, yeah the right to work and all that yeah because I know here in Tennessee. They can fire you for any reason. Well, and it's also useful. Um, you'll have some companies. I worked with one last year that I found out was trash talking me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to, you know, I was talking to somebody about the situation. And I was able to pull up my timesheet and go, look, here's what my day looked like over there. And they're wondering why things weren't productive. Yeah. It completely deflates their ability to trash you if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and it's because they are crap at what they're supposed to be doing. So it's, it's just good to have a log of things and know where you are and what you're doing. And you, you can't fix things that you can't measure. So that's that's why I suggest heavily using a time tracker because it, it will really give you metrics that you can use to better your career and to get it on the trajectory that you want it to go. And so that's all I got. Uh, That was great. What do you have for us for uh, Tricks of the Trade this week? Well, uh, this week I've got something that's actually relevant for this particular podcast. kind of ties together nicely, and that is a time tracking tool. 
It's called Toggle. It's T-O-G-G-L. And, of course, you can find it at you know, toggle.com. Yeah, you introduced me to this. I've been using it ever since, and it's awesome. Yeah. I can just... You can go in there. You can... Uh, they do have a free account. That's what I have. Um, I have the paid account because there's a few other features that I want. You know, some of the... Uh, well, at one point, I wanted the invoicing, but a lot of the reporting features are kind of nice, actually. I don't even really use the invoicing feature all that much, but it's it's nice. You can just... You know, you can set up projects and all that, and you can click on which one you're doing. Mm-hmm. At that moment, it's real quick, and you start a task, and you start timing it. This this sort of ties in with the episode that we're doing. Uh, as, anyway, as we get close to the end of the year, talking about uh, how you set up your New Year's goals and all those, those sort yeah. of things. And Toggle really uh, helped me quite a bit uh, a couple of years ago. And we'll get into that here in the episode here in a minute, but... I just want to kind of throw that out there as a extremely useful tool for this. Well, you guys heard me a few weeks back talking about uh, cutting my time down on editing. And uh, the way I know how long it took was Toggle. Yeah. Will introduced me to it, and it's, a, it's great because I've been able to track how long it takes to do the editing and mixing for the podcast and just for the podcast because I've got... I've got one group set up just for that, and then I've got another one set up for working on the website and various other things. So I can keep track of how much time I put into that as opposed to how much time I put into my job that pays. Yeah. It's it's really it's just really useful for a lot of things that are not necessarily development focused. I mean you can use it for tracking how long you, you spend in transit. You can track Mm-hmm. A lot of things. We'll, we'll get into that a little further on in the podcast. I don't want to throw that tool out again. That's Toggle. That's T-O-G-G-L-E. Or T-O-G-G-L. You know, there's no E on the end. Yeah. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Because I think it's an awesome product. If you have a question or comment for us, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed under Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is OMFG Hello by Argo Fox and is also licensed under Creative Commons and available on SoundCloud. For references, show notes, and to sign up to our email list, be sure and check out the website at www.completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time.